This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Paul's on the show brought to you by Archie's on Carson Street. Get down to Archie's, the official chicken wing of the fan. Archie's home of 80 cent wings. Uh, Monday through Thursday, home of the Paul's Ice grilled cheese <coughs> sandwich. Twitter brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Peters Township. Visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. Joining me now, Jeff Hathorne, uh, the uh, KDK and fan sports director. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, I, I, I understand you were out for a, a wonderful, uh, dinner. Was it a good, uh, was it a good uh, dinner for you? Very good dinner. Leslie says hi. No, oh, well, tell her I said hello. And, uh, hello. I, I hope you guys had a good time. And, uh, and, uh, now you are back to work, right? Yes, that's right. That's uh, right. I, I feel good. I, I may, I'm making you come back to work and, uh, you know, a little bit ago, I read a uh, breaking sort of press release from the ACC to Noah Howes, which forced him to have to hang up and go back to work uh, for for the Post-Gazette since he covers Pitt. Yeah, I mean, it happens, right? It happens in our business. Right. That's the way it goes, and uh, it is uh, all part of it. So uh, you were at the Pirate game today. Uh, I know that because I saw you over there. And... Um, you know, when you see the entirety of the Pirates, I, I, I'm I'm actually a little bit thankful that it's uh, coming back to earth because I think that there are a number of things this team is going to need to continue to do to get better uh, going forward for next year. And uh, the fact that they were 20-8 and eight and everything else and people were talking about 95 wins became sort of a distraction. <laughs> Yeah, it became uh, unrealistic really quick. Like people just like, oh yeah, they're not only talking about playoffs, but all right, winning the division. Who do you want to match up against? And it's like, whoa, 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 wait, just wait a little bit of time. And um, you know, listen, this is when you have a team that isn't quite there yet. This is what happens. You have peaks and valleys. Uh, and at some point, it starts to level off. I don't know if we're seeing the level off quite yet, but I mean, they're they're not a complete game, a complete team. They have holes. They have young pitchers that are going to make mistakes, and we've seen we've seen all of that really manifest itself. And and really, the bats went really cold for a couple of weeks. They had a couple of good games this week, but you know, then again today. You know, guys like Swinsky just they they can't buy a hit, especially when guys are on base. 
Yeah, it kind of felt like uh, Sawinski uh, <laughs> did all his damage in April, and since then he's been back to being Sawinski. Yeah, you know, he had a really horrible start, and then he found it, and it seemed like you know they were talking about this adjustment they made at the plate, and you're thinking, okay, maybe he's back to, to what we saw for most of last year's rookie season, and now it's back to the league has figured him out, and he just – and there are times he just – I don't know if lost is the word – but he struck out 24 times this month and he's batting, I think 150 this month. I mean, it's just not, and, and it's a guy they trot out there every day. Reynolds hasn't hit for power. Um, you know, Santana has been okay, but he's hitting 230, and he hasn't driven in a ton of runs and you're not getting much offense at all from the catching position. So there's a lot of holes and, you know, Connor Joe also was hitting like 380 the first three weeks of the season. Uh, that obviously uh, has fallen back to earth. Yeah, uh, I think obviously we knew that with Connor Joe. But, you know, if you go, uh, you, you know, they, they started 20 and 8 in their first 28 games. And, you know, now the, if you look at where they're at in their, in their last 21 games, they're 5 and 16. Uh, you know, uh, what 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 is this team? Are they somewhere in between that? Are they closer to five and sixteen, or closer to twenty and eighteen? I think they're closer to being a five hundred team over the span of a season. And you know, to be fair, I mean they lost O'Neill Cruz. No one in their lineup is a more impactful bat than O'Neill Cruz. Even though the you know the steadier numbers are with Brian Reynolds. I mean, no one put fear into a pitcher like O'Neill Cruz, and losing that out of your lineup was a big loss. But there wasn't a lot of depth there to make up for that. But I, I think over the span of a year, uh, they're around 500, maybe five or six games below. Maybe if everything were to break right, they'd be you know one or two games over. Um, but there's still a team figuring figuring some stuff out. And listen, there there have been some positives that we've seen. Mitch Keller's developed into an ace. David Bednar continues to be this amazing relief pitcher when they can use him. And, you know, there have been some other guys that have shown some bright spots, Marcano at times, Castro at times. Um, so hopefully those are things, those are part of the young core of players. I mean, even, you know, Johan Oviedo, at, 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 once he gets out of the first inning, is good. If he could just not pitch in the first – you know, when you have those openers in Tampa, that's what they need for Oviedo because he stinks in the first inning, and then after that, he's the guy you want to be a part of your rotation for the next five, six years. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, like I said, you know, they're 5-16. and 16. Um, They've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six more games left in uh, in the month of May. You know, if they go three and three, they they will finish the month of May still over five hundred. If they go two and four, uh, you know, then they will be. Uh, let's see, two and four would put them at twenty seven and twenty eight. So they would be under five hundred in you know by at the end of May after being you know dominant in April. Yeah, I mean it 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 fell off quickly. You know, just as everybody was getting excited or people were getting excited about the twenty and eight start. It fell off, and it was weird because as the Pirates kept losing, they somehow kept holding on to first place for a lot longer time than they should have because a lot of teams in the division were losing. And, you know, let's face it, Paul, the schedule got tougher. I mean, they started facing some teams that were, 
even some like Baltimore that over the span of the last five years, you might not think you're, you should be afraid of, but you know, Baltimore is a different team now. Tampa Bay playing at Tampa Bay is like playing, you know, at the Patriots trying to win at that place. Um, so those were tough trips. And, you know, even Texas is playing really good ball right now and you're hitting them at the wrong time. Just like, in April, you probably hit a couple of teams at the right time, including St. Louis. Uh, now you're hitting teams, A, that are good, and B, at the wrong time, and it's kind of led to what we're seeing, along with some of the other things we discussed. Well, um, you know, again, I think that it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this plays out over the next, say, 30 days for the Pirates. Um, I was shocked to see what the Pirate came today, though, because I figured – you would be um, out chasing around a limo or something that had Cal Dubas in it, like every other reporter in town, <laughs> uh, trying to figure out, you know, is he uh, is he downtown at the at the Wiener World? Is he, uh, you know, up on Mount Washington at the, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what what's that at the Lamont? Is he, uh, you know, in Market Square? Where where is Cal Dubas at? Because uh, it seems to be that's the question all of these hockey writers. Uh, uh, today and even starting last night have, have been asking. Well, I guess the good news for the Penguins and us trying to figure out who they're interviewing is they're probably doing all the interviews in Boston since that's where ownership is and that's where Sullivan, you know, Sullivan's from up there. So they're probably doing all that stuff out there. I think what one of the byproducts that's come out of this search has been how much this Fenway group really – values Mike Sullivan's opinion. Not that they shouldn't, um, but, man, they're really leaning heavily on Sullivan, and I think they're not as concerned about finding that GM because they're letting Sullivan make, an, a lot of, make a lot of the decisions. We'll see if that's the correct formula, but uh, obviously what, what they had last time didn't work, uh, but Sullivan definitely is entrenched. We'll see how this all plays out. I mean, Dubas is an analytics guy. It's not like he's the only guy out there. And what I think I wrestle with, and I know a lot of fans do, is, okay, yeah, they had some good regular seasons, but Toronto was a joke in the playoffs. Like, So this GM put together a team that would just choke artists in the playoffs. Is that what you want? Like, how much of that is on him for not putting together a good enough team? Because if, if we wanted first-round exits, uh, we've seen that act. We could have just kept the guys, you know, the Penguins could have kept the guys they had. They don't need to go to Toronto to get another guy who can't get out of the first round. Yeah, uh, there's question, no question about it. Uh, that, that, that's something that a lot of people have said. Um, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'm not quite sure how much I hold him accountable for that. By the same token, uh, and I do, I do agree that it is something. Um, now, the thing about it is uh, – do you think that whoever is going to be the general manager is going to have to keep Mike Sullivan regardless? I think so. That, that seems very set in stone that Mike Sullivan is, is the head coach. I, I think ideally you want to set it up to where you have the GM first, you get the head coach, and then you have the team president. Um, you know, I, it seems like they're very entrenched in, hey, it's a guy who's won two Stanley Cups. I have nothing against Mike Sullivan. I have nothing against him from his, you know, his hockey mind. Um, I the the key figure here is the is the GM. I don't care who the hockey ops guy is or any of that. G give me the GM. The GM's the one that should have all the power. He's the one 
with his hands in all of it, making all the decisions. Um, but I think what we're finding out through this process from everything that we've seen reported of how active Mike Sullivan is, is whoever that GM is, is going to be, you know, be lock and step with not only keeping Mike Sullivan, but kind of appreciating or building a team the way Mike Sullivan wants it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's, and I think that should scare you too, because to me, you know, the, the team over the last couple of years has been sort of what Mike Sullivan wants and wants to do. <laughs> and, 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 and much like Cal Dubas's teams have flamed out. And it's, and you know, the Penguins are in a tough spot right now. So what, what would be your mantra to a new GM? Like, all right, sell off everything and go for one more run with these guys? Or is it, damn, we need prospects. But, what, but you sign all these guys to long-term deals. Like, and some of them have no trade contracts or no trade clauses. So how are you going to negotiate that with this team? It, it, they're in a, a precarious situation, and they made the decision last year to continue to go for it. And then when they got to the trade line deadline, they kind of halved it. You know, like, let's, well, we could still kind of be good. Let's hold on to that number one pick instead of going all in. I think that's the first thing this team needs to decide. Okay, what are we? Do we still think we could win? And if they give you that crap that we heard from the last duo of how they can win a cup now and still be good in the future, then this franchise is doomed. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, so were you at OTAs yesterday? I was yesterday and today. Oh, so you, you double duty today. Um, yes. Uh, yes. you know, and, and I know you were very happy to see TJ Watt was there because I knew <laughs> you, you were very worried about it yesterday. Paul, you know, this, like it is football in shorts and it is not mandatory. And TJ Watt, when James Harrison was with the team, he used to come to these things. He would lift in the morning. He would go to the OTAs for about 10 minutes, and then he was out. Like Ben would go for the first day or two just to show that, hey, I'm here, and then he's golfing the, most of the rest of the OTAs. Like, this does not matter. I mean, yes, is it nice to be there? Is it nice especially for a veteran like Minka to be there because there's a lot of new guys in the secondary? secondary? Yes. But does T.J. Watt need to be at this? No, he does not. And given some of the injuries that he's dealt with over the last few years, I mean, rest. Like, they know what he can do. Uh, I admire all the guys that, that, that are there. and They had great attendance. Um, but, yes, it's good to know that he was safe and accounted for today because I know there was a panic and there was a question of how much he really wants it somehow. Even though we, Steeler fans have seen him play, there was a question about, you know, how committed T.J. Watt was because he missed one day of a voluntary workout. And for all we know, he was there. He just didn't do anything on the field. Right. I'm pretty sure he's still going to have a good season. <laughs> yeah, and I still think he's going to play hard. I mean, I I don't know. I, he didn't look like he had ballooned up to 350 pounds and was uh, – you know, resting on his laurels, I think he's going to be okay. You know, it is amazing, though, Paul, is, you know, we it, it's such a football town. I, I tweeted out something about Dan Moore just running through a drill on the offensive line, and it got half a million views while 
the baseball team is like a game out of first. I mean, that tells you what people still get excited. I mean, they want to – they're so starved for Steeler news. Um, it kind of creates this frenzy that we've seen the last couple of days. Yeah, there's no question. Well, uh, uh, Jeff, I appreciate you jumping on and taking some time. And uh, as, as always, your days are very long because, well, you do double dip. Uh, so uh, get some sleep, get some rest, and uh, we will uh, do it again sometime soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Paul. All right, brother. That is Jeff Hathorne on Paul's Ice. It's 93.7 The Fan. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, we've got a lot uh, going on in the world of the NFL. And joining us now is Chris Carter from the Post Gazette. Chris, I got to be honest with you, the um, the uh, day is a little somber with the passing of Tina Turner. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, Tina Turner, a legend, um, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of music legends dying as well. Bill Lee, uh, father of Spike Lee, who was a jazz bassist, uh, you could hear him in some of the some of the tracks from School Days. Also passed away, and uh, your band and my favorite band, I think the greatest band of all time, Earth, Wind, and Fire, lost its guitarist Sheldon Reynolds. Uh, a lot of a lot of lost legends in the music world today. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's one of those things that is just basically uh, that, that that's sort of the circle of life, I guess. Um, and of course, you uh, you know do football um, uh, better yes, better than just about anybody else, and so. I <clears throat> The first thing is uh, the Steelers uh, actually added a player today. Uh, how do you see him fitting in with what they're doing? Uh, Marcus Golden, I think, is going to be a solid addition for the Steelers. You don't need him to come in and be this superstar edge rusher. You don't need him to come in and you know lead the, you know have double digit sacks again like he did two years ago. Um, but I do think what he gives you is a veteran edge option who can get after the quarterback, who has good pressure reps, and who also helps in stuffing the run. He's a solid guy uh, who, who works that edge. And, again, this is going to be about simply supplementing the snaps given by T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. Uh, and, you know, of course, there's going to be times when either one of those guys could be hurt and you need to get some guy to step up there. Marcus Golden will be ready for that. But I think the biggest thing is that, like, now you can have it so T.J. Watt isn't playing 90% of the snaps and then is gassed when it's, like, mid-fourth quarter, crunch time of the game. You need the biggest play, and he's not sitting there tired. He's sitting there fully energized, uh, ready to go. And in the snaps that he wasn't in, Marcus Golden was playing pretty well. Uh, and I think that that's what you're going to get from him as an addition. And now at the other edge spot, backup edge spot you're looking at there, 
Now that can simply just be a battle between Quincy Roche and Nick Herbig, whereas, you know, that was as the roster was constructed before this move, they would have been com- combining for the first snaps off the bench when uh, T.J. Watt and Andrew Alex Highsmith had to step had to step off the field. So I think that's a much better position the Steelers to put themselves in with this move. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing uh, to me. It also it, it gives you a, a it also I think gives you a little bit of insurance. You know, if T.J. Watt gets banged up again this year, you won't have that huge drop off, right? Uh, that you had last year when he was out. Uh, you actually have some options. Yeah, I mean Malik Reed was uh, was a veteran who could you know be in place, but he wasn't a guy that was was going to generate pressure in big moments. And you even saw kind of moments last year uh, in games like the Jets game where uh, they needed him to step up in a moment, and he you know, kind of fell short. And I think Marcus Golden, you know, he's not, again he's not going to be a dominant guy. He's also 32. He has a lot of years on him, but. Uh, you know, I talked to Alex Clancy, who hosts the Locked On Cardinals podcast, and has covered him for years. And he said, like, listen, like, this guy is also a great locker room guy. And I think that's one thing that we've seen across the board with the Steelers here, Paul, is that they've added a lot of guys that are, you know, contributors to the positive morale and the positive environment. They want guys that are going to come there and, you know, be about the team and be about making other people better around them. And uh, my man Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals, he was telling me that's something Marcus Gold did a lot for the Cardinals locker room. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's obviously uh, uh, something they did. They 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 made a lot of additions to to uh, their team. Uh, what I liked was they got a lot of, uh, of veteran guys. Um, yeah. And and what I mean by that is they got a lot of players that know what it takes to win or they've been involved in, in in winning organizations like guys like a Landon Roberts who, I mean, what's he have two Super Bowl rings. I mean, you, you bring yeah. in guys like that. I think it, it adds to your, um, your, you, you know, your overall presence in the locker room. And, and that's probably what this team, you know, what, what the Steelers could use a little bit of. Yeah. They need, they need veteran guys to set the tone because they do need young guys to step up. But part of young guys stepping up is also having more and more old guys set the tone for how they should step up and when they should step up and what's needed when you do step up. And I think that's something that that's oh so important uh, for great teams is that you have veterans who guide the way uh, because there's going to be times when you try to step up and you might do the wrong thing or you might you know just you know you you might just need shaping in the right direction. Um, and I think you know some of the best Steelers teams they've had guys to help with that. You know you think back to the late 2000s and the Steelers. You know, when Lamar Woodley would make a big play, you have Casey Hampton and James Ferry and people tell him, like, hey, man, you're just, you just want to be good. You want to be great. And it kept pushing Lamar Woodley to get better and better and better. And I think that was what made him such a prolific force uh, for several years there for the Steelers in the late 2000s when they picked him up. So um, I do think that that's part of the culture that the Steelers are trying to, you know, recultivate and get going with what is a very young roster. Uh, and especially when you're trying to get that, you know, you're trying, you know, you do have leaders on this team. You do have Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, guys who have been established. But you have a lot of young guys too who are going to be setting tones this year. And I think the more solid veterans, you know, Landon Roberts, a linebacker who we spoke with today at OTAs, uh, he he was a captain for the Dolphins. He was a guy who you know was able to 
you know, was able to be kind of a, a voice in the locker room. He spoke about that and then the need to have more guys like that, even if they're not the ultimate leader on the team or a, or a captain on the team, everyone being a presence in the locker room is very important. And I think that's something that Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, everyone in that front office made for a goal this year. Yeah, there's no question. I think that's important. Uh, just a, a little bit around the, the AFC North, uh, I don't know if you have you read the uh, quotes from out of Baltimore with Lamar Jackson talking about the new offense with uh, what's his name Monken or whatever his name is the the, the old Georgia court, uh, offensive coordinator who's now running the offense talking I have about not read these quotes. Uh, what's what's that? I said I have not read these quotes. Where he's talking about uh, the new offense, he's excited about it. It's going to be a lot less running and a lot more throwing for him. Do you buy that? I I think that still. Part of what makes Lamar Jackson very good is his ability to extend plays with his legs and and run the football there. But I do think that there was a bit of limitations as far as what he was able to do with the Ravens. He's not as bad of a passer as I think some people make him seem. He is a talented uh, thrower of the ball. I mean, I remember saying that when he was coming out of Louisville. You know, I I was writing in the in my you know some of my draft analysis. I'm like, guys. The Steelers should take a look at Lamar Jackson because I think that that guy could be pretty good in the NFL and be a great, uh, you know, option for whenever Ben does decide to hang it up. Um, but I, I do think that you know they, they need to be smart. You know, don't force him to always have to throw the ball, but give him more options there. And I think that with the addition they drafted, they flowers out of Boston College, they signed Odell Beckham Jr. I think this might be the best wep- the best set of weapons they've ever given him in his time with the Ravens since when he drafted 2018. So. Um, I think that might be what you're looking at here is that they're they're going to open up the offense a little bit more because they also have more weapons for him to throw to. Uh, and then they'll see where they go from there. Now, here's the thing. I don't think that that should scare the Steelers at all. They've done pretty well in containing Lamar Jackson when he's tried to be a quarterback who opens it up. So I think the Steelers should be ready for it. But who knows what it could do for the Ravens overall and their record this year as they, as they play all the other teams on their schedule. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that they were talking about, you know, necessarily they were talking about him passing the ball more. Um, We'll be interested to see how this new offense works. What do you make of the Patriots losing two OTA sessions for breaking yet another rule? Breaking uh, uh, yet uh, some more rules. They lose two OTA sessions. Um, Is it just a thing of where they're not capable of actually following rules or what is going on up there? I mean, it's just, it it continues to follow what they've always done. I mean, we even, uh, we even saw how years ago, and and then this is like maybe four or five years ago, like the tail end of the Tom Brady era with them, that when the, you remember when it was the Bengals were playing the the Giants and the Bengals uh, security man, because the Bengals played the Patriots the next week and the Bengals security man uh, found the, some Patriots guys there uh, filming their sidelines and filming them and saying, there's, there's no use. And he said, Oh, we're getting B roll for just for our highlights. Why are you at a, at a Bengals giants game filming B roll quote unquote of, of the Bengals <laughs> on the sideline? Like, and again, this was like 2018, 2019, somewhere around then. This was many years after Spygate, which a lot of people who try to credit the Patriots for being amazing and never have, having done anything wrong. They've been doing this. They don't care what the NFL does to them. They're going to keep 
breaking the rules. And until the NFL puts some serious clamps on them, they're going to be like, okay, slap on the wrist. We'll go keep doing what we were doing anyways. And I don't know. I don't even know what they did to break the rules for these to get their OT, two OTAs sapped from them this year. For, for all I care, you know, this is who they've been as an organization. There's been lots and lots and lots of evidence that has mounted up against them. And I think if you want to deny that, that it didn't contribute to any of their greatness or their run, I think that you're seeing it through red and blue glasses and you're a big Patriots fan or you're just too scared to admit that that, that, that great run that they had did have something to do with the fact that they had one of the biggest scandals in NFL history as far as learning, try, trying to get ahead and know what other teams are doing ahead of time. Yeah, there's no question. I just thought it was funny. And again, you're right. I mean, basically, if you think about it, you lose two two, two OTA sessions. Who cares? It's not yeah, really right. a punishment, and, is it? And I mean, even when it happened then, I mean, we had the guy on camera, like the Bengals security man who found this the, the Patriots employees. The Patriots employee was begging him. I remember this. He was like, he was, please, sir, if you, if you let me go, I'll delete the footage. And he's like, sorry, friend, the damage is done. And it's just like, this was out there. It was like the whole world saw it. They're still doing Spygate. And what happened? Nothing. They were totally fine. Bill Belichick stayed there. Bob Kraft was fine. No one was touched. No one. It was just like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Slap on the wrist. And then I think it's the, the Patriots. They, they're going to let them get, get away with that stuff. Uh, but, you know, I wonder how good it's going to do them because they haven't exactly been too great of a team in the past couple of years without Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's where I would tell you is uh, – that's what I would tell you is kind of uh... – uh, always very, very interesting is if if you can't make a punishment really hurt, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Then, then, then you know what? Teams, What's to stop me from doing it again? Right. There's nothing. There's no real incentive not to not to try and push the push the envelope because if you get caught, who cares? Uh, exactly. My thing is Belichick has been there for all of this stuff, mm-hmm. so why isn't he being treated like this is his fourth or fifth, you know, offense? You know, what happens to players, they get suspended for a whole year. Right, after your third or fourth or fifth offense. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of offense, people are very, very angry about the uh, flex plan of the Thursday night games, uh, calling it just basically greed. Uh, because the, uh, but, but to me, I mean, I think it's been a long, long time since uh, it, the NFL's made it very, very clear that they're far more concerned about who watches on TV than who goes to the stadiums, aren't they? Yeah, yeah that's where the money comes. I mean, like, like, I, I remember people saying, oh, well, attendance is attendance. No one cares about attendance if you're making billions off of TV. Like, attendance is great because it adds to the atmosphere and it adds to the excitement and things like that. And you want attendance to be high up, right? It, it adds to it. But if I make if, – if I, if, if I have 50% – of attendance there and it looks it looks kind of dead but i have millions tuning on tv and you know and i have the choice between either or i'll take the millions tuning on tv because of all the revenue it's going to drive them for them for advertising and and, i mean look what's happening you have all these people competing amazon's trying to get in on the game youtube tv everyone wants a piece of the nfl and every every year they're just making more and more money uh and yeah it sucks i i think that uh, I, I think that you know Thursday night football itself needs to be put done away with. I don't like it. I think that it, uh, you know, that's a night where you can watch college football. There's there's so many other things that can happen on you know for Thursday night that the NFL doesn't have to tap into. But they're like, we don't care, Chris. We're gonna make billions more dollars off of this, and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's nothing the players can do about it. They've even complained themselves. Hey, take this away. And I was like, no, it makes us more money, and that's just the bottom line here. So. 
as much as everyone's going to hate it and complain about it, you're still going to tune in when the Bills play some random team like the like the the Vikings on on Thursday night football and be like, ooh, what's going to happen with my fantasy team tonight? Every year we we have people say, I'm done watching the NFL, and then they have the be- the best ratings. Uh, you know, in in all of sports and all of TV, and uh, the NFL just keeps on chugging along with their plans. Well, and I think that's that's sort of what it's aimed at, isn't it? Though, is the yeah. fact that hey, you know what? Uh, the, the they want to get the best teams in the biggest games. Yeah, and I get that because Thursday night football has also been a drag. That's the other part of why it's just stunk is that they've just had some terrible matchups there. And part of it's also because the best matchups are usually being reserved for CBS, uh, Fox, the, ma- the major networks that have been putting it there. And Thursday Night Football for the longest time was just an NFL network product. But now Amazon's in the game, and they're running Thursday Night Football. So they're going to be like, no, we're, we need to be involved in bidding for things. Whereas the NFL, I think there was more pushback with some of the other networks. So Thursday Night Football is going to be, I think, a much bigger uh, – uh, much much bigger, uh, you know, spectacle that, that the NFL is going to be able to put out there. I think you're going to get some bigger some bigger matchups. And like you said, the flex thing. I also think it could be a very unfair to teams if 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 they you know I think it's what two weeks or something they they have to know before something's flexed. But when you flex when when a Thursday night schedule is is coming up that you know for your whole week it changes everything um, of how you got to prepare from your coaching to your workouts to to everything. Um, to every, everything that you, that that you do uh, as far as preparing for, throughout the week, uh, but again, who cares when the NFL is is making that money? Uh, you know, Paul, in 2022, out of the one, top 100 most watched U.S. TV broadcasts, the NFL had 82 of them. The next close was college football with five, and that's how dominant football is as far as. A, a a culture reference, what we watch here, uh, and it's just it's just another show of that's what runs runs the world, that's what runs media, it's what's going, and that's what shows you that's why they keep investing in doing all these things because they know they can make more and more and more money because no one's going to turn away from it. Yeah, uh, well, I um, I think you're 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 really on to something there, Chris. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Paul. All right. Great. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. It's the, it's the Paul Zeiss, 93.7 fan. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.